Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hustle and Grind podcast. I'm Jason. I'm here with Ryan. And we got Hello. Micah from MD Edgeworks in the house with us today. And I don't know who Micah is, so this is going to be a fun episode. I already know that he's uh, he's not a northerner. I could tell that just from the little pregame conversations we were having. So we're yes, all going to learn together. What's going on, boys? How y'all doing? Good. Not too bad, man. Not too bad. That's good. Well, where are you from, Micah? Well, I'm in Stephenville, Texas right now, but I did most of my growing up in, in Louisiana. So, yeah, it's been a trek. Yeah, I could tell there wasn't no northern going on with that little twang you got there. No, not, not a bit. Is not it, a bit. My, my, uh, my, dad, my dad's from Texas and my mom's from Louisiana, so I can't be a coon ass. I tell everybody I'm a half ass, you know. Oh, there we go. Louisiana. <laughs> Said it right. My, my grandparents, my papa's from Louisiana. Yeah. And you don't say Louisiana. It's no. Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. So, uh, MD Edgeworks, you're a knife maker, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm a knife maker, too. I try to be. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, man, I had a good week. I had a real good week. Y'all want to hear about my week? Sure. All kind of good shit happened this week. So, uh, all my dizzy shit that I've been, like, fucking with for the past two weeks is gone. Just kind of woke up one morning and I was back to normal. So I'm That's super awesome. duper thankful for that. I've been in the shop the past four nights getting some stuff done. I got three blades finished. One will be done today. So that's four. That puts me halfway through my stack. So nice. within the next week, I should have every one of them done and out the door. You got to post them before the algorithm forgets about you. It's already forgot. Dude, I'm dead on IG. I'm all the way dead. But uh, yeah, I am. I've taken pictures of a bunch of them. But being is after I finish this set of orders, I'm kind of going to be taking a break on orders. You know, my next knife, it might take me six months to finish it because I'm only building what I want. And every single build that I do from here on out is going to be something wacky that I've never done before. You know what nice I mean? Nights. So I'm not going to have a whole bunch of new stuff. I'm going to be trying new things and probably breaking and screwing up most of it. But uh, I'm going to try to stockpile the things I got going on right now so I can put something out once a week or so just to stay a little bit relevant. You going to try to do any shows or anything like that? Probably not. No? Probably not. Uh, and the reason is, you know, we got this tractor business going. Got my tractor back Friday, finally. I don't know if I brought it up on the podcast or not, but it had to go into the shop with only 27 hours because the clutch exploded. Yeah. Yeah, so we were three weeks of having to rent equipment because we already had jobs lined up. You know, you can't. One thing that we hear most often when we go out to bid jobs and stuff like that is they're not, like, overly happy with our prices or our attitudes or nothing. They're just thrilled to death that we even showed up. Mm -hmm. You know, all these sorry asses around here want to advertise they'll do the work, but then they call people and nobody shows up. Like, man, I've talked to 10 people. Nobody's even shown up yet. So, you know, we're we're kind of locking the jobs in before we get there just by showing up. That's nice. awesome. Yeah, we don't want to turn out to be one, just because our equipment's broke down. You know, we got to do what we got to do. If we got to go mm. rent something, we just got to eat that cost. You know, it's better than nothing. I'm hoping that keeps me busy enough to where I don't have a ton of time in the shop and I can get back to making it fun like it used to be way back in the day. Nice. So, yeah, it's been super fun. So, Micah, your work has progressed substantially over the past, like, year and a half, two years. I appreciate it, man. 
Like yeah. it's, it's really good, especially the Damascus and all that stuff you've been making. And man, that's that's my like my my goal. I guess I was I I put in the time. You know, if I or if I find something I really like, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in the time and I'm gonna make it worth it for me. And uh, that's I still I mean I'm still you know like you or both of you guys I'm I'm still part time uh, all that kind of stuff, but I. I'm damn near full time in knife making too because that's just what I put on my back. But um, I, I schedule out my time for my family and all that kind of good stuff. But other than that, yeah, I'm in the I'm in the shop putting in the work. Whether I'm I'm forging something or doing you know doing Damascus stuff, and it's that's I guess that's just kind of what keeps me going. Yeah. Yeah, your works look super clean. You did a super clean job on that uh, my card I sent you, and that stuff I've been told is. Uh, not easy to work with. I've gotten used to it because I've got so much of it that I've done a bunch of it now, but mm-hmm. like a lot of guys that have gotten it from me have been like, oh, that's super tough. It burns. and But oh, no, your work was super clean. That handle looks so good. Well, I was, uh, my card was one of the first things that I started working with because I was, I was looking up videos, you know, I mean, like, like most guys, I'd, I'm going to try and do this in my garage. I ain't got all kinds of money to just, you know, fork out for, for every little thing that I want to get. So all my tools and stuff. And I mean, I'm a welder, so I was able to build, you know, my belt grinder, my, my forge, I built it. Uh, and then I kept seeing videos of people doing, you know, doing their own micarta. And so I got this, uh, I got this canvas stuff from work that they were just scrapping, scrapping, scrapping. And I told one of my buddies, I was like, Hey, save me some of that. And I'm going to try and do something with it. And so I made a bunch of micarta, and so that's kind of that's kind of what I learned on was was micarta and uh, and black walnut because I got a bunch of big logs of black walnut that uh, my wife wanted to do like some of those decorative cut off table uh, uh, table circle you know I mean you know that hokey crap that you can get from <laughs> Hobby Lobby or whatever for like 150 bucks. And she was like, Hey, these people are just getting rid of these logs. Go pick them up. And I was like, fine. And, uh, so I had a bunch of black walnuts. So I would, I would dry that stuff out and then soak it in linseed oil and, uh, and go from there with that too. So yeah, I, my card is a, it's a, I love that stuff, man. Yeah, learning on two of the hardest materials to work with. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I bet when you switched to maple, you were like, holy shit. <laughs> oh, it was so great. Well, and I was learning on a freaking 4 by 36 win, you know, Amazon special for uh, for probably the first six months that I started doing this. So, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. <laughs> nice. To say the least. It's, it's always interesting when guys say what grinder they started on because, like, Jason, you started on a 1x30, right? Well, technically, I started on a 3x21. I bought a $20 flooring sander from Lowe's and bolted it to the table upside down. Nice. But <laughs> very quickly, like within a matter of probably two weeks, I went to a 1x30 because I realized, you know, I can get a bevel on one side because, you know, you got the tracking on a on a 3x21. But on the other side, it's just this hard-ass piece of plastic that's like four inches past the belt. Mm-hmm. So you can't get a bevel on both sides. So uh, I did a lot of chisel grinds with that thing yeah. the first couple of weeks. I built nice. in, I built in, or on that on that 4 by 36 like I cut a big square out of the, uh, of the face of it because I had the same problem. And so I made a drop-in plate that raised it up probably about a half inch something like that that mm-hmm. way it would raise up the belt and i could get both plunge lines on both sides yeah. for the same reason <laughs> yeah i had a two by 36 
one of them multi tools you put on the side of a bench grinder. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And the platens that come with those are like cheap tin, so I just I took it off and I egged out the holes more, so I had more room in between it and the belt and welded a plate on. Nice. I can use that for a while. It's yeah, weird yeah. too because two by thirty six belts are more expensive than two by seventy two belts. Mm-hmm. Be probably because they're not so readily available. Yeah. But if you go to Phoenix Abrasives, you can definitely get any belt you want for no matter what size machine you have. Two by thirty six or a seventeen by hundred and ninety. You know, they Jesus. got yeah, they got some of those too. Holy shit. Yeah. I just completely made that up. But I mean if you had a machine that would hold that, I'm sure they'd get you a belt for it. <laughs> if you do have a seventeen by hundred and ninety, that's gonna be expensive as shit. So use that promo code Hustle Ten. Save that dough. Heck yeah. That was slick, right? That was a good one. Worked it right in there. You that snuck perfect. that right in there. <laughs> you got it in early, too, so now we don't have to, like, scramble to get them both done. Yeah, man, I, I feel so bad sometimes because it's right at the end of the show and we're squeezing in sponsors. It makes me feel like we're forgetting them. We're definitely not. You know, we just kind of get caught up and, uh, well, we kind of forget. So, Lost. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <Lost> Greg. Conversation. <laughs> but we didn't today. So, yeah, go over there we- and buy some belts. Anyways, moving on, <laughs> moving on. Well, Ryan, that, that one that I did that your that my card I got from you on too, that's, that's one of the first ones that I put a, uh, an S grind on and you're, you're really one of the ones that kind of keep it seeing you doing that. It's what, it's kind of what pushed me to, to start do trying that more and more and more. Um, cause I mean, you know, it's one of those, I guess it's one of those things that's becoming more popular. Um, it's not, you know, fully a necessity to wipe something off of your blade when you're chopping stuff up, but people are starting to notice it and see it more, and so that's what they're wanting. And so I might as well, you know, I figured I might as well just start trying it and putting it out there that I can do this kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. I know it helps with food release, they say. I just think mm-hmm. it looks really cool. I'm starting to like the way it looks, too. I'm, I'm ready to play with it for uh, for Damascus. To, to try and get different, see what I can get with those different layers out of, you know, out of it to see if it adds, you know, whether it's like a W's ladder or a twist or something like that, what it brings out whenever you do put those big hollows in the middle. Yeah. What's, what, what size wheel are you using? Uh, 14. 14. Yeah. I want, I need to make myself a, pla- a platen, but I just, I haven't yet. Yeah. Time. So are you making your own Damascus? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I've been doing that. That's one of the things that kind of kicked me off from the beginning. Um, honestly, I got in. I wanted to get into this for more of the artsy blacksmith stuff. Um, but when COVID hit and uh, hours got cut and everything slowed down, it was like, all right, well, I got to pay bills and feed my kids. So people started ordering knives, and I was like, well, let's let's go. Um, and so so yeah, I just I and it's probably me being a bullheaded person banging my head up against the wall, but I started with feather, like feather Damascus. Uh, (laughs) Full sand. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But what's, what's really cool is, you know, I mean, I reached out to guys like, uh, like Bill poor or uh, uh, Josh Prince, you know, these guys that have years and years and years of experience and they were just Johnny on the spot, you know, back, back, helping me out. If I had any problems, any of that stuff. So, uh, 
I've just never been afraid to reach out and ask somebody, you know, hey, what, what am I doing wrong with this? What about this? Why is this looking like this? And they were always wide open to help me out with anything I needed. So that that just kind of helped me progress that much faster, uh, learning from their mistakes to be able to put that in my mind and, and step that forward and just run with it, you know. Um, but, yeah, I built a little, uh, a little Harbor Freight Air Over Hydraulic uh, jack press. I don't know if you've ever seen any any of those. Oh, yeah. Um, and it sucks and it's loud, but it's 20 tons and I can squish Damascus and I can cut a feather and I can, I, I punched hammer eyes on it too. So I can do, I, it'll do, it'll do what I need it to, but, but yeah. Nice. Well, hell yeah. That, that's my next big, uh, not knife related project is a press. Yeah. I've got all the steel. I need the hydraulics, the motor, all that shit. I can weld yeah. it all up. I want to build a full hydraulic one, but at the same thing, time. I've got stuff out there to build a, uh, a rolling mill too. Cause I want to do one of those. Um, cause I had, I did a, I did a show here in, here in Texas a little while back. And, uh, a bunch of the slip joint guys kept coming up to me asking if I made my own Damascus, if I made my own sand, my things like that. And they were like, Oh man, we're trying, I'm trying to find somebody to do new stuff. Um, and I was like, I kept, you know, I was passing out my card, passing out my cards. And then I, ca- I came back to my shop and I kept looking at all these little end cuts that I had laying around. And so I'm, I'm going to start stretching those out and bringing them to shows with me. And, you know, might as well try and get, you know, get the best use out of them as I can. Hell yeah. 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 I bet folder guys love those little pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, for us, like fixed blade mm-hmm. guys or kitchen knife guys, those are scraps. You know, yeah. what are you going to do with them? Yeah. Um, but if you can sh- stretch them out to like, you know, between an eighth and a sixteenth yep. and they can get a couple blades out of them. Hell yeah. Yeah. I've got, money I've, off the scrap. I've got two W's feathers um, that are probably an eighth inch thick by like inch and a half by about four. And yeah, I need to, I'm going to start putting it out, out there that I'm going to. I'm going to be doing that. I've never put it out there that I actually make Damascus and for friends or anything like that. But I've, I've started doing that for, for buddies who, you know, either don't have a press or a hammer or anything like that. And they're like, Hey, I'm going to have to hammer this out. Can you just squish it down for me real quick and make it this thickness and do this and this? And I'm like, yep. And like, what do I owe you? Well, just send me some steel with it. Okay. It makes it easy. It's a win-win. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Nice. I haven't gotten to do much. My first two Damascus knives are in this batch I'm working on right now. One of them's a, what is it? One of them is uh, it's probably packy trash. My brother bought it for me, <laughs> oh, and, nice. and I don't know who made it, um, but it hardens, so we'll see. Um, okay. And that's a raindrop pattern. And then I have some Timber Tiger saw chain Damascus, and that's nice. going to be a big ass thick fucking hunter because the PC sent me it's five sixteenths thick. Damn. So, yeah, it's gonna wow. the scales are gonna be super thin. It's gonna be all metal. Are you doing metal scales like some brass or something? No, no. I'll do something cool. Something like mm, I don't know yet. <laughs> You'll we'll see. It's a surprise. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I want to see the pat. I want to see the pattern before I pick the handle material. You know. Yeah, for sure. But. Yeah, that bat, that batch has got a lot of stuff I haven't done before. There's two CPM S30V drop point hunters in it, and I've never worked with that steel before. 
and I ground the bevels in on one last night, and I ground the other one this morning, and that shit is hard as a woodpecker's lips. Like, <laughs> like bad. Like, I have a glass <laughs> platen, and it rings when I'm grinding it. Uh, so I'm like, Ugh. It's that's, hard shit. That's a particle steel, right? Yeah. Powdered shit. It looks, it looks weird. Like, the bars look different. I've never like messed with look, it. They look like they've been sandblasted. I might get me some stainless. That might be something fun to do, something I've never messed with. I might order me up some stainless. I'll ship it off to you and let you heat treat it for me, Ryan. All right. Since I ain't going to kill him. That chef's knife we were talking about earlier, that's CPM 135, and my goodness, that stuff is hard. It's about the same. It's, that was a pain to do anything with. I started uh, I started playing with forging Nitro V, though, and that's pretty fun. Um, I like that stuff. Yeah, I got I some Nitro V in this batch too. I, I like it. I like it a lot. It, it seems it seems to be not as crazy as most stainlesses are, but it's still a stainless. So I, I don't know. I like it. I just <laughs> I just tried to. I did some uh, stainless gomai yesterday with with Nitro V, and I'm pretty surprised that it didn't pop off the pop off whenever I quenched it. Uh, but I don't know. I keep seeing people do stainless, uh, sand mine and go mine with full, what, 440C or something like that. Yep. But apparently Nitro V works pretty good too. So I'm, I'm a big fan of AEBL. I like yeah. grinding it. It's super easy to work with. It's the cheapest of all the stainless. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like That's what I've heard from everybody too, but I, I, I always see you get a whole lot more out of it if you do cryo and I just need to get like. I need to get a setup to where I can do the whole dry ice and denatured alcohol thing or something like that to do cryo. Because Nitro V, um, I'll quench it and I'll throw it in the deep freeze for an hour and it'll jump the hardness up about two extra points. I uh, I cryo my AEBL in my house freezer. I leave it in there a day. Oh, dang. I should, it does I, pretty good? Yeah. I pull it out of the plates. I straighten it because it's still pliable out of the plates. Yeah. I straighten it out. And I clamp the whole stack together, and I throw it in the freezer at home and leave it for a whole day. Nice. I, I probably don't. Yeah, it works. I, I. It's weird how it gets hard after it's frozen. Mm-hmm. Nitro V is the same way. Yeah, but, like, I haven't had any issues. It filed, My files jump from 60 to 65 Rockwell. Same. And I, it file tests in between there, so yeah, it's got to yeah, be I'll within s- the realm. I'll sneak blades into work because they have hardness testers at work. And uh, if, if I'm worried about it or if I have a question about it, I'll just I'll sneak something in there and they'll do a hardness punch for me and make sure what my numbers are. Or I'll take something in every once in a while to make sure everything's still as good as I knew as I'm thinking that it's going to be. But, yeah. Yeah. I've done a lot more snap tests lately than I used to. Like I if it. I if I have any doubts on a blade, I'll just stick the tip in the vise and snap, snap the tip off and. Yep, it's good, and then grind it. But so, what, what's your day to day job, Micah? I'm curious uh, now that you got hardness testers just laying around. Now, well, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a welder in oil and gas. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so I've I've done everything from crawling inside pipe and welding to doing boilers to uh to like welding big flanges on like 36 inch pipe. And right now I'm doing, it's more of a robotic process where we'll go down in and the pipes that they use or the uh, fixtures that they use for like fracking and, and pumps and pumping up sour gas and stuff like that. We'll go in and weld like a nickel layer on the inside of it. 
to help it, you know, abrasive resistance and, you know, that sour gas resistance and uh, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's nice. I'm not under the hood all the time. I'm in AC. It's kind of relaxing. It's, it's, it's worth it. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That sounds like a fun job. It's, it, it gets monotonous after a little while, but they don't balk at me whenever I bring stuff like that in or every once in a while, if I get behind the belt and I'm, I'm trying to get something done fast and need to hand something, hand sand something one day, I'll bring in something. And uh, as long as the tour is not coming through, it's like, yeah, just put it up. If anybody walks in. Okay. So, yeah. Well, hell yeah. How's your uh, day gig going, Ryan? If you um, want to talk about it, it's not, that's fine. It's going. <laughs> It's it's slowed right down. Like yeah. my work's kind of seasonal, right? You know, and if we don't get snow, then the, it's super slow in the winter. But we're almost through grass season here, so it's slowed right down. And um, I'm not like the kind of guy who's gonna like stand there and do nothing and absorb my employer's money. You know what I mean? So if there's nothing for me to do, I'd take the day off. Yeah. So so I haven't worked a whole lot lately, but that kind of puts things into perspective on my knives and like my shop and where I'm at and where I could be. And you know what I mean? But your order books are you open now, right? Oh yeah. My books are fully open. I've got a huge batch going 20 knives. It's the biggest batch I've ever done. Nice. Um, I've got knives going out to two more UFC related individuals. Um, and I've got my websites coming. Nice. So probably that's awesome. my big announcement. So probably in, I'm working with the web designer now and we've got the first preview done. Um, but I need more images to send her. Mm-hmm. So if anybody listening has one of my knives and can take website quality photos, I wouldn't mind it if you'd uh, snap one and send it off to me. But, so I'm thinking within the next two weeks or so, the RyanChadbornKnifeWorks.com will be live. Hell yeah, that's dude. Awesome. That's awesome. So that'll be cool. Yeah, well, out of your it 20 was, knives, if you're listening and you don't have a Ryan Chadborn Knife Works knife, then get your ass one and take some pictures and send them back to him. <laughs> well, by then I'll have pictures. Yeah, well, you can get some extra I'm, different I'm, backgrounds. I've always been so bad at documenting shit. Like... It's just like not in my thought process while I'm doing stuff in the shop. You know what I mean? And I really need to work on that. You know, like introspectively, I need to be like, I need to document this. I'm doing something that other people might be interested in seeing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, it's just me alone in the shop. So you're just, you know, putting along, working on three things at once or concentrating on one thing. And the last thing you think of is filming it or taking pictures of the process. So. Mm-hmm. I got to work on that too. Uh, it's growth, man. It's growth. Hell yeah, I'm not. I'm not upset about the day job slowing down. I'm really not. I would much rather do spend more time in my shop. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Having, yeah. Having all this time off, like, really put it into perspective. How much happier I am in my day to day when I'm just at home in the shop, you know what I mean? If I want to take a break, I can go in, take the dogs out, get a snack, come back out, work for another hour or two, go back in, check on the dogs. You know what I mean? Like it's not, 
it's just way less stress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The problem is getting the sales. Yeah, well, hopefully your orders can kick up enough to where you can kind of put the day job on the back burner during the off season. You know what I mean? How Obviously, you got to show up when they need long, you to. But how long ago did I open my books back up? Two weeks? Yeah, something like that. Got one. I got ten. Ten orders in two weeks. Uh huh. That's badass, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Is that a lot? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Short I mean, answer, like, yes. That's probably, <laughs> I was thinking like maybe it was just like a little jump because I had my books closed for like four months. But well, if if that's the case, then that shows you that there's been people sitting around waiting. You know what I mean? And they've watched closely enough wanting one of your blades to where they found it in the first two weeks. Yep. So that that's uh, that's a good outlook there. That's nice, positive for sure. And. And, uh, like, I've been really working on my speed. Like, those diamond grind and S-grind and the fuller chef knives, those take me forever to grind. Like, to get one of those blades to where I want it to go out, it's, like, at least eight hours of grinding. So, basically, a full work day and for one blade. Right. Um, but I'm working on my speed, so I'm hoping I can get that down to, like, I'm thinking if I do two or three at a time, It'll save me time in the long run. So I've been experimenting with that. You know, like I got the bevels grounded in on two white knucklers, like those finger hole, like they look like a fucking karambit almost. Uh, two drop points. And that was it. So I got four, four in this morning. But those aren't diamond grinds, you know. I mean, you did that S grind, Micah, that you got to go back and forth, back into the hollow and like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I only I only hand sanded it up to two twenty because I was like I'm not taking this up higher than that. But I, I I'll run um, I run those the J way belts on on that hollow. I ran it up to I think four or six hundred, and then I, I I hand sanded the bevels to two twenty, and then I hand sanded that. Just kind of put it pretty much went straight strokes at two twenty just to clean everything up. And yeah, that took so freaking long or between on the grinder and then hand sanding yeah it was forever yeah, see i do all my finish on the grinder okay. zero hand sanding i don't do any hand sanding i'm jealous but <laughs> <laughs> it takes me so long because so like when you're grinding in a hollow most people know this i'm probably preaching to the choir here but and you switch from like a thick 36 inch belt or 36 grit belt and then you go down to like a J flex 120, you're changing that radius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you get all these weird facets in there and shit. So like I stay thick, heavy belts all the way up through. And that's why I love the Trizax and um, the Norton. Uh, they're my new favorites. I like them more than the Trizac. Norton Blaze? No, not Norton Blaze. Nor- it's their equipment. Hold on. <laughs> he gone. Right in the middle of the show, he gone. Uh, that's my kicker on those two. Have you done any hollows or or, or S grinds or anything like that? Yeah, I do a ton of hollow grinds. I've okay. never done an S grind, but pretty much anything under about a three inch blade, like Skinner's and th- things like that, just about anything under about three inches is hollow grind for me. Yeah, I don't know why I don't really have like a a logic to that thought, but I just I like it. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it makes for it, – it creates longevity for the blade, you know. Right. It really does. And plus, if you – like, if you got an eighth-inch thick piece of steel and you want it sharp as shit, I don't want to have to take a bevel all the way up to the spine, to, you know, to yeah. have a full flat grind. Yeah. And if you – I don't do saber grinds because I, I just don't like them. I think it's stupid. I mean, there's a use yeah. for them, obviously, but I personally don't like them. So I just yeah. feel like a hollow grind looks pretty neat. You know, the contrast between the flats and the bevel, and it allows me to get sharper without going all the way up. Mm-hmm. So, if you get S-grounds, I don't really do. They're Norton Norax belts, and the only place I've been able to find them was at MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. So, well, hell yeah. Lawrence over there has got them. Um, and I tried them out because I love the Trizacs, and they're stiffer. And for me, like trying to make them crisp lines, stiffer the better, you know what I mean? And then like the they stay thick and heavy all the way up to twelve hundred grit. So but they do build up heat, so you gotta be careful. Yeah. I'm trying to just imagine a thick twelve hundred grit belt. Anything I've got over eight is like fabric. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like wrapping a paper towel around. Yeah, because what's what's it called? Structured abrasive. Yeah. So it's like built up off the belt. Yeah, mine are like fabric and uh, like really soft with blue, you know, yeah, blue abrasives. And I'm a cheap fuck, and they last forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a 1200 grit belt's basically single use if you're getting anything other than a structured abrasive. Yeah, you can you know you, you, you go ahead. Go ahead. You go. I was gonna say, can you can you redress them? Almost like I've heard I've heard people. I haven't used Trizax, but I've heard people talk about them and how you can redress them, almost like a grinding stone. But can you redress oh, I don't them? Know. I have no idea. You mean like run them backwards or something? No, like you can get like a. Uh, it's a it's a, a almost like a, I think it's a diamond dressing stone that uh, you can redress like a hard uh, grinder wheel, you know, on your uh, on just like your bench grinder to clean everything up if you put mm-hmm. divots or anything like that. I've seen people pick them up from like Harbor Freight and stuff like that and say, oh, you can just redress your Trizax with this. And then it's like, it's brand new. So I, 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 some, I was wondering if it was that same type of type of belt. I'll let you know. Cause I got some old ones that I avoid now. Yeah. Like they still cut, but the more worn they are, they build up more heat faster, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, I love them. And that, you know, for me, that's that's how I avoid hand sanding. Yeah, is as I stay with the same thickness belts all the way up through my progression. Um, I don't I don't really mess that much with like increments. You know what I mean? Like some guys will go 36, 60, 80, 120, 150, 180. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not for me. That just seems like a waste of time. I jump right from 36 to 120, and then from 120 to 220, and then from 220 to 400, 600. Yeah. Then eight hundred, and then I go to the Scotch Brights. Yeah, and I'll I'll do that with with uh, hollows, uh, but I can, I just I'm not good enough with it on flats yet, um, because like yeah I I can take a hollow grind up to six hundred, and it's no problem, but yeah and I, usually I won't take much I won't take anything much further than that unless I'm doing Damascus and having to hand sand and clean it up you know uh, for etching but. But yeah, I mean, I'll do a hollow at that point. But I'm just, I'm still not good enough to take it that high for anything flat. I mean, it's just trash. <laughs> uh, 
Jason, you frozen? Oh no, you moved. No, no, I'm not frozen. It's uh, it's a little hot in here actually. But yeah, um, I'm looking at your stuff right now, uh, Micah, on your Instagram. Just yes. talking about the hollows, and it looks like your hollow. Do you use a jig, or is that just? No, I freehand. I freehand everything. I don't know if you can see this or not, and the world's not going to know, but that's the one I'm looking yeah. at right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, both sides of that are just dead fucking on, dude. Yeah. And, yeah, that's all That's all freehand. And it's just it's because it's because of uh, hollow grinding, uh, like, small knives, like you were talking, you know, like you were talking about earlier. Right. Because once you get, I mean, once you get to that certain point and you hit that groove, all you got to do is stay in that groove and you're good to go. And it's uh, that that's kind of how S grinds are starting to get to me. And now I'm I'm more puckering to hope that I don't blow through the middle of the blade instead of <laughs> you know yeah. instead of jumping out the groove. Um, but yeah, yeah. I have when I first started trying to do hollows and all that. The I've never actually went all the way through a blade, but I did have one. You know, when you're grinding, obviously you got your thumb on the back of the blade. It. Mm-hmm it got hot enough where it turned the opposite side blue and blistered the shit out of my finger. Yeah. And I was like, well, I didn't think that through, you know, I need to be making like even passes on both sides instead of trying to do all of one side and jump over and catch the other side. Yeah. Cause I mean, you can I, have that center line marked on the, you know, on the edge and grind down to it. But if you're hollow grinding, that's a, that's a different ball game there. Yeah. I stopped, I stopped carrying, holding both hands and, uh, I made myself a little grinding stick and I just, it's pretty much I can hold it in my hand, and I gave myself a little L. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm being drastic here, but just enough to catch the bottom of the blade. That way I don't burn it, and I can hold it and just draw it straight across, and I don't I don't burn my fingers anymore. Yeah, yeah I used to do that a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> it, it makes me... Uh, it makes me in my brain too. It makes me dip it more because I never know how hot the blade is. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Like, I feel feel the heat in my fingers and then i know like, okay i'm building up some heat i gotta dip yep but i've tried using a stick but man it just feels it feels weird it's like trying to grind with someone else's hand yeah it's taken me a lot to get used to but it's it's forced me to to do a whole lot of stuff a whole lot better yeah i use a stick if i'm profiling like you know grinding down my my edges and shit getting the profile of the blade but um I have to have that tactile sensation while I'm grinding. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, obviously, I've had some pretty sketchy grinding techniques in the past. Yes, you have. Yeah. But I use a push stick on the bandsaw. That's about the only time, but I, you know, I don't yeah. cut anything without a push stick on the bandsaw. I've seen too many horror stories. And I don't want to be the next one. Yeah. I jam, I've jammed my thumb into a bandsaw before, and that's not fun. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I'm surprised Ryan hadn't ground his whole hand off the way he used to pinch the damn platen. <laughs> I stopped. I almost did it the other day too, and I was like, "Nope, don't just, do that." Just out of habit, huh? <laughs> yeah, just out of habit because I can squeeze the bevel against the belt and get like a much more perfect flat line mm-hmm. if I pinch it. Yeah, and I, and I need to like figure out how not to do that. I think I've got it down. I think I, I've gotten. Like those lines to the point they were when I stopped doing that technique because it's so fucking dangerous, especially with that belt blowing up a couple of weeks ago and smashing me in the face and like yeah, 
Yeah, that I mean, day could have been worse are, for sure. Yeah, these are big boy toys, you know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We get complacent because we're at them for hours at a time without an incident. And then, you know, just takes that one seam that's not fully connected anymore or a little tear in the corner and oop. Yep, that's oh. all it takes. Yep. I stepped up to my grinder the other day after being out of the shop for, you know, what, two weeks or so? And all I was doing is I had some uh, some G10 that I was going to use for liners. And I went over there to grind the back of it on like a 60 grit just to scuff it up before it blew up. And I put it flat against the plat, and it damn near snatched it out of my hand. You know, because before taking that short little break, I'd walk right up to it and know exactly how to hold it and what angle and what position and all this stuff. And I guess I just forgot a little bit. And yeah. it, don't, it don't take much. What do they say? If you don't use it, you lose it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. You want to do uh, the old Maritime Knife Supply Patreon Spotlight? It's time for the Maritime Knife Supply Patreon Spotlight. I'm going to read out all of our Patreons and um, go through the list, and then we're going to talk about somebody. And we're going to say good things because they pay us money once a month to talk about them. So if you want to get on the list, go to patreon.com, look up Hustling Grind Podcast, and you might be next. All right, we got Donnie Dulovich, Knife Hold Material. On, pause right there. Pause right there. What we got? Donnie Dulovich was in Blade Magazine like two weeks ago. Oh, Shout yeah. Out to Donnie Dulovich. That's all that. Awesome. Too. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. I had started. Sorry, I had to stop you right there. He's a badass guy, too. Like, he is so fucking cool. I got to hang yeah. out with him in Blade Show. He actually put up a picture. If you follow Donnie on Facebook, he changed his uh, the background picture, the big one at the top. He changed that to a bunch of guys at Blade Show, and I'm standing right next to him. So he's got his arm around my neck. I feel pretty special to be in his, in his special picture with him. So, <laughs> That's awesome. And Donnie Dulovich, knifematerial.at, Aru Bladeworks, our short fat friend, Brigham Kendale, Mark LeBlanc, Mark Vanderwerf, Bex Armory, Todd Harrington, Dennis Tyrell, Trox Claire Custom Cutlery, Zachary Sowell, Maritime Knife Supply, obviously, Driver Defense Knives, Noah Bloomberg, Crafty Man Forge, Brian Henningkamp at Tortuga Blades, Jared at Echo Blades, Eric Andrews at Sourwood Creations, Brimner Built Knives, Steak Snake Branch Knives, and Darren at Stormlight Forge. So all of our people that I just read off are friends of the show. They support us, and we damn sure appreciates it a lot. So we still got 21 of them. I'm going to go to the random.org, 1 through 21, and generate. Number two. Who is number two? I got to write this down, guys. I promise I'm going to write it down. Next time, I'll have it on paper. Number two, knifematerial.at. Let's go check him out. This is fun. I I really enjoy this part of the show. He's in Austria, Germany. And he's got fucking everything. Yeah, he does. Holy no, okay, let me uh, let me correct you right there real quick, um, Ryan. He is in Austria, not Germany. He actually sent me a message a while back because I think we, we brought him up at one point in time before and said he was German. 
but uh, he sent uh, me a stern Austria message. Is Germany separate countries? I, I guess so. He sent me a stern yeah. message saying that he is, in fact, not in Germany. You're going to have to forgive us. We're all products <laughs> of the American education system. Exactly. I don't know what Canada is besides the one up there. Is it your flash one? Yeah. It's got G10, G10 single colors, multicolors, blocks, vintage micarta. It's the S-Card. What? <laughs> wow. So, oh, so, okay. Tip protectors, tools, steel. Let's see. Let's see what he's got for tools. I don't know. I was about to say. I tell you what. If if you want to let, uh, if if you want me to give my two cents on this guy, we do, of course. Have have, have you? What do y'all use to? Did y'all y'all you you etch your blades, right, Ryan? Yeah, I use a converted tattoo power supply. Okay. Same as you, you you hot stamp or you etch, Jason? Hot stamp, tattoo machine, man, same thing. Okay, and yeah, so like that, man. Well, I, I said I hot built, stamp. I built a etcher a little while back. Mm. And my goodness, that was so because I was using a hodgepodge together nine volt battery onto a uh, like a guitar connector onto just some alligator clamps and just a, a shit show of a, a setup. And then I built a, I built one of them etchers, and I mean he's got he's got them etchers where you can do a deep etch and a dark etch and all kind of other stuff on here. That was one of the best ideas I've ever had was to build one of those. But yeah. buying one is you know. That thing's a, that's a killer tool to any workshop. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff. I don't know. I'd be curious to know if he ships to the U.S. I'm sure he would for the right price. Right. Even. But, you know, sometimes with uh, international stuff, there's some type of, I don't know if they work something out, you know, to where it's just, like, easy. Like, look at TR Maker guy. He ships mm-hmm. fast as fuck, and he's in Turkey, you know. But, like I said, I don't know how that works. I think he's got a like a U.S. sponsor. I don't know how. I don't know what it, what you would call that, but somebody over here who he ships like crates of stuff to. Right, so be like they, a distributor. They, yeah, distribute distributor. Yeah, that's what I should have said. <laughs> well, if you are uh, looking for something for your knives, go check him out for sure. Especially if you're over there in the Austria area, not Germany, but Austria. My bad. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's good shit. So, uh, so he's like the European Lawrence Lake. Yeah, I was gonna say he's he's on that side of the pond. You know, obviously Lawrence has got everything that you would need for making the knives, and uh, he's even got the cactus juice and epoxy and polishing compound and heat treat ovens and Kydex stuff and quench oils and. You want to build a forge or a kiln? He's got all the supplies for that. You know, Lawrence has got you taken care of for sure. So, uh, another but cool thing about Lawrence, yeah, if you're across the pond, you know he can probably still hook you up. But uh, Lawrence can get damn near anything. It seems like so. You know, if you're looking for something and he don't have it, just send him a message and he'll definitely at least check into it for you. I guarantee it. You know what I've been having a hard time finding that I really like? And the only place I can find them is Pops, but their their shipping calculator kills me. Yeah. I know they refund it, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, $47 for a couple of fucking tubes is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Well, but I'm lucky any, with Pops. Anyway, I can drive up there and, and pick up. Canvas micarta lanyard tubes. I've been ha- I love using them, and I've had a hell of a time finding them lately. 
Hmm. So Lawrence, if you're listening, if you can get those from your supplier, I'll buy a handful off you because I use the shit out of them. So here, here's my uh, my thought on that. I've never even seen a canvas micarta lanyard tube, but once it's in there, you know, a lot of people. Well, I won't say a lot. I have seen it before, where people put those little ball chains through their lanyard tube, as opposed to like paracord or a leather strap or something like that. If that's just canvas micarta, do you think that would wear it down over time? Almost shoot it like a, you know, like a saw blade. I don't know. Does do people actually use the lanyard tube? Well, no, probably not. <laughs> for most of what I've seen these days for looks. Yeah. When I do yeah. lanyards, I don't even make them long enough to fit around your wrist. It's just simply for looks. I throw a chunk of deer antler on it and tie a knot in it and call it a day. And it does yeah. look cool as shit, but doesn't really serve any purpose. I like to use them because they match the pins. Yeah. You know, so if you're using micarta on micarta and then you got a brass tube through it, kind of, mm. it's like, eh. Not to take anything away from Lawrence, but have you looked at Maker Material Supply? Oh, you know what? I haven't. And they're, he's he always has some really obscure shit sometimes mm-hmm. too. Yeah, they're they're thirty minutes away from me. Once I found them, that that changed everything from for me. Yeah, yeah, I've ordered yeah. a lot of handle material from him in the past. Like anytime I do kitchen sets, and you know it's a ten twelve piece set, I always call him, and he's you know he's got enough of whatever I need to match. Yeah. And I mean, when you're buying twelve sets of handle material all at the same time. You know, yeah, he he tends to hook it up a little bit too. You can get a a little bit of a discount on it buying in bulk like that. Oh yeah, Aaron's Jessica, a good dude. Yeah, Jessica Rose Clark wanted Tiffany Blue for a spacer in her knife, and Maker Material Supply was the only place I could find it. Mm-hmm. Tiffany Blue G10. Yeah, she was so. fun to talk to last week. It was fun to listen back. You know what I mean? Because I didn't get a lot of words in on that one, but uh, I tried. I gave it hell. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Hey, that's hey. I know that was your Christmas morning right there, man. I'm, Dude, I was so worried that I sounded like a little fucking fanboy, and then, <laughs> then when I listened back, it sounded fine. And you know, no, it like, was good. Dude. Oh, oh my god! You know, like nah. I was overthinking it for weeks ahead of time, and I'm like, am I really about to talk to Jessica Rose Clark on the show? In fact, you did. For, In fact, I did for almost an hour and a half. Yep. Yeah, she's cool as fuck. She's super cool. Yeah. I didn't know that she grew up like in a caravan and stuff. I had no idea about that. That was cool to learn. Gypsy um, woman. Yep. Well, enough we about were... our old guest. Let's talk about our new guest, Micah. <laughs> Where'd you grow up? How'd you get started? What's your mom's name? You know, did you have any pets? <laughs> uh, I did I did most of my growing up in Louisiana. Uh and then I grew up, you know, small town. And I got out of small town as fast as I could, and I moved to Houston, which was not the worst idea because I met my wife there. But you know, going from small town to big city, it wasn't uh, it wasn't great. But uh, I started putting all my stuff together to do artistic blacksmith stuff, and then oil field tanked in twenty fifteen. And I had to move to where we moved to where we're at now. And then I slowly started building everything back up because I was just one of those things I had to drop. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, like I said earlier, man, I uh, I was I was putting everything together. I was starting to work on stuff, you know, doing little leaves, doing uh, random stuff, throwing a couple little knife ideas in there. And I was working with, you know, like most people, leaf spring and canola oil because it's it's cheaper free. 
And, uh, and that's, that's still what I suggest people to start with because it's the easiest, it's the easiest thing to get. And it's the easiest thing here. It's the cheapest thing to work with. Um, but, uh, I started doing that and that was when COVID hit and, uh, I built my first knife in May or I finished my first knife in May of 2020. And that was when everything just, you know, tanked. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, so I finished that knife and I got three orders out of it and work got slow. And I was like, well, I guess this is going to be my next income. So I finished those three and I got five more orders I was like, okay, well, I guess we're going to figure this out. And uh, I got a buddy right down the road from me who's got a plasma table. And so I would I would forge stuff, and I would order sheet steel, and I drew up a bunch of designs, and I'd take it to him and get him to cut shapes out for me. That way I could I could hit both the, the forge side and the stock removal side and just mush it all together and just start, you know, hustling, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm sure you guys are like me, you know, I mean, we got, we, you try to, you try to keep it all together, but you got to get, you know, you got to get your, your head in the right place for everything. And mm-hmm. especially when things like that go through, you're, you're trying to scrape and find out what, okay, are we going to be able to make this work? Cause we plan for a 40 hour work week, but whenever you ain't got a 40 hour paycheck, it's, it's a pain. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I started feeling the need, you know, and it's, it's turned into something that, uh, that's, I mean, it's honestly, it's really bigger than me. Um, because I just, I mean, between that artistic fulfillment of I'm making something with my own two hands and somebody is taking this tool and using it, whether it's in their kitchen or as a hunting tool or as a, backpacking tool or whatever you know it's something somebody is actually utilizing uh, and it's fulfilling a need for i mean you know my my job's back up to 40 hours or more right now but it's fulfilling a need for my family also too and it could take me out of my day job to where i can do this all all, all the time i want and i get to play around with crazy designs of damascus and stuff like that too so it's it's fun I, I'm, I'm all about it well, hell yeah. So you're out of Houston now, right? Yeah, I'm out of Houston. I'm, I'm closer to Dallas. I'm in a small town called Stephenville. Um, we're about 45 minutes southwest of Fort Worth. So it's, it's, it's small enough to, it's small enough to be nice and peaceful, but you know, there's a college here. So yeah, a bunch of kids getting in trouble, but it's, it's okay. I did about three <laughs> months in Houston and, um, uh, I was I was personally not a big fan of that town, yeah. But I stayed in Pasadena while I was there, right outside of Houston. Yeah, that's not a wonderful place to stay either. <laughs> no, it was not. It was not at all what I expected when that whole yeah. trip got set up. But uh, I was definitely happy to be home after I did my time down there. I bet. I bet. But yeah, I went down there after Harvey hit and helped clean up for about three months. Yeah. So obviously I wasn't seeing it in its best of times, but you still get a feel for the people. And most of them weren't super friendly types. Yeah, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite fighters is from Houston. Dude, speaking of fights, what happened last night? I guess there was some kind of big fight and there was an upset or something. Oh, yeah. I've been seeing all kind of shit on Facebook, and I don't even follow it. And the world's, like, shook. What the hell happened? 
I jumped out of my chair. I told the wife this morning, I said, you're so lucky that I watched the pay-per-views in the garage. Because fucking, all right, so Kamaru Usman, who is arguably the pound-for-pound best mixed martial arts fighter to ever do it. Like, he's he looks unbeatable. So he's fighting Leon Edwards last night and dominating him for uh, four rounds. So Leon won the first round, and then the rest of the fight was all Kamaru. With one minute left, Leon fakes a left jab and head kicks him right in the side of the head, fucking knocks him out cold. That knocks him. The guy's never been knocked out in his career. Like, he looked that unbeatable. I jumped out of my chair. I was like, oh, my God. Holy fuck. What the fuck? <laughs> like, you know, like, just losing it. Losing it as a fan, you know? Yeah. I mean, I love that shit. It's the only sport that I really get into. And I, w- I fucking lost my mind. And I'm sure everybody else who's a fan who was watching lost their mind. And good for Leon, too, you know? I mean, the guy came from nothing. Like, he was born in Jamaica, living in a shack with a tin roof, you know? And he fucking just beat the pound-for-pound pound best fighter on the planet. So, obviously, and, I'm guessing the pound-for-pound pound guy was favored to win, but was the other guy like an underdog? You know what I mean? Like, just not even expected to put every, up a fight? Everybody who fights Kamara Usman's an underdog. Oh, I'm going to have to look this like, up and check it out. Like, to the, play this morning. Yeah. Wow. To, 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 like, he's so good to the point, and he's the welt- he was the welterweight champ. He's beaten all of the top contenders two, sometimes three times. What does like Welter weigh? Like what? How much do they weigh? Uh, he's one seventy. He's the one seventy pounder. Okay. So little, they, little they cut weight to hit those poundage marks. He probably walks around at two oh five. So they dehydrate themselves to get right so like they'll they'll like get all the water out of their bodies and they look all emaciated and shit on the scales and they make weight (laughs) and then they go they go and rehydrate as fast as they possibly can because they have to fight the next day yeah so and that's like a ufc type thing as far as i know like uh the asian equivalent of ufc is one fc and they have like hydration tests that they make their fighters do and they're not allowed to do that and stuff like some people view it as sanctioned cheating well, it doesn't seem healthy, you know what I mean, like for long, longevity of an athlete to no, do that no. to your body. Like some guys have, like, fights have been canceled because their livers started shutting down and they had to go to the hospital and shit. Like, yeah. it's serious. It's, it's serious. Like, they're really fucking destroying their bodies to make weight, to give themselves a little bit of an edge. Because if you walk around at 200 pounds and then you fight in the one, let's say, 155 division – because that's lightweight, you know, you've got to cut all that weight to hit 55 or 70. 70 is more realistic if you walk around at 205, but you've, and you have to hit it at a certain time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they weigh in, boom, that's the day at noon or whatever. They get a window because all the fighters weigh in, you know, in a line. Right. Um, so they have to be on weight at that moment. Yeah, I don't know what number the fights are up to now. You know, UFC number whatever. I went to UFC 88 in Atlanta, and this was like 2004 or 5 ballpark maybe. And we went to the weigh-ins the day before. And some of those people had IVs in their arm, like just the needle. <laughs> and they, they would get help walking to the scale. And as soon as they yeah. got off of it, they'd get into a fucking wheelchair and like get the bag hooked up to them. 
Yeah, they don't do that anymore. Like, <laughs> that if, was if you insane. Have, if you if you like stumble on the scale, like they'll pull the fight. You know what I mean? Like does like now it's to a point where the UFC's so big, they really like try and watch out for that sort of stuff. But yeah. they still let it go on to a certain extent. I mean, go go Google Conor McGregor at 145 pounds. And then look at a picture of him now, you know, like he hasn't fought in a while. This is his natural walk around weight. Mm-hmm. And then you go look at what he looked like trying to cut weight down to 145 and he looked like a fucking skeleton. Yeah. Yeah. Connor, he's changed a lot since he started. I saw something about him just a few days ago where it was showing him as I think it was like an interview with somebody, but it was talking about Dana White noticing this little fucking crazy Irish kid. And it was showing pictures of him before he had any tattoos or anything, you know. And he, yeah, when he was an old, a little pimple faced Irish kid, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now he's worth like a bajillion dollars, yeah, on his fucking Lamborghini yacht. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> like it's cool, dude. Buy a Lambo and buy a yacht. You get a Lamborghini lot. That's fuck you money. Like that's he's got cool. fuck you money. I know. That's ridiculous. <laughs> he's got like mega millions. Yeah. Let's, Let's Google it. Let's do. How much is Conor McGregor worth? What's Conor McGregor's net worth? <laughs> According to Wikipedia. Shut up, Google. What's Conor McGregor's net worth? <laughs> Google time with Ryan Coakley. $200 million. Oh, that ain't shit. What? What a, what a bitch. <laughs> $200 million. I mean. Yeah, that's nuts. Like, that's bonkers. Like fighters, they make good money when they fight. But if you're making like, let's say like a low level UFC person will make 10 and 10. Now, I don't know. I could be just talking out my ass. But if they make 10 and 10, that means 10,000 to show up, 10,000 if you win. Okay. If you only fight once a year, twice a year, that's not very much money. Get the fucking. There's a fly climbing over the camera. For the computer. first time ever, we yeah. saw the fly that you chased through your shop. <laughs> Anyways, so like if they only fight once or twice a year, that's not a great living, you know? That's a nine to fivers living. Yeah. But once you get up into like the ranked fights where you're in the top 10 rankings or you're a title contender, you know, you might be getting, you know, 100 to show and 100 to win. You know, and then if you put on a good performance, they do bonuses and shit. 50K for fight of the night, um, performance bonuses. So, like, if you have a badass knockout, you get a performance bonus. Um, fight of the night, both fighters get the bonus. Um, and those are 50K. But, and then sometimes Dana White's feeling nice and he just gives out money sometimes. What are Dana White's worth? Half a billion. Half yeah. a billion? Yeah. He got 500 million, I think, when the UFC sold. I don't know the UFC sold. He's still running yeah. it though, right? Yeah, yeah. This Nobody is like a flashback Dana from seven days ago. Fucking Uncle Dana, man. Nobody's a better fight promoter than that guy. And he's like impervious to cancel culture. He does not give a single fuck what the fighters say as long as they're a draw and they're making him money, you know what I yeah. mean? Like he doesn't censor anybody. So who bought out UFC for half some... a billion? Huh? Who bought out UFC? Was it like a TV company or something? It was a conglomerate of a bunch of wealthy people, I think. Gotcha. 
Well, hell, there you have it, folks. Another UFC recap. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me going, man. It's I the know, only, like, I know. Other than knives, that's like the only thing I obsess about. Not the only thing, but I'm big into UFC. It's like I don't miss an event on my Saturdays. I'm in like the wife knows I'm pretty much gone. I'm in the shop because if they start earlier, I'm out here. This Saturday was awesome because the bare knuckle had an event that ended a half hour before the UFC event started. And just enough time to get in. something to it eat. Was fuck- go PP. Huh? So just enough time to get something to eat and go PP. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah, and then the UFC right started. That was the first bare knuckle fighting event that I've watched. And I'll watch another. That fucking shit's brutal, dude. I've I've been seeing a lot, a lot more of that coming up, and I've got a I've got a buddy who's who's a uh, who's a knife maker, um, who's in that. I met him I met him at one of our last Texas Knife Makers Guild uh, meetings. Uh, his name's BJ Lawrence, and he's he's retired UFC. He never got like high high in UFC. I don't think. But he got enough to make a name for himself in, in like training and stuff like that. And he's out in Colorado, and he said he's starting to he's starting to get into the whole bare knuckle thing. And he's like, yeah, it's getting it's getting pretty nuts. How big that's starting to get? Yeah, it's and bloody. It's, yeah, it's like like the rules are a little different. The rounds are different. Like a UFC fight, if it's not a main event, is three or yeah, three five minute rounds. Uh, the regular. BKFC rounds are two minutes and there's five of them, so the fights are shorter. Um, it's based on like the 1700s European bare knuckle rules. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a normal boxing fight. Like if you watch Floyd Mayweather fight and they clinch up, immediately the ref separates them. In bare knuckle, if they clinch up and they're both hitting each other, they'll let them fight it out. It's, when, nice. they, it's when they stop swinging that they, that they separate them. Um, and also, if it like the main event this weekend was Mike Perry versus Michael Venom Page, who's a Bellator fighter, fucking awesome fight, by the way. But I didn't realize it. If it goes to a majority draw, they do a final death round where that round, whoever wins that round, decides who wins the fight. Hmm. <laughs> it just sounds so great. It does, doesn't <laughs> it? Yeah. Like, yeah. like turn the clock off. You know, there's there's My, no bell. Last man standing. My only critique of the Bare Knuckle FC is their fucking ring announcer, man. He's like Walmart brand Bruce Buffer. <laughs> like he, they ripped off Bruce Buffer's like line, like that he has copyrighted. Like Bruce Buffer screams, "It's time!" And in Bare Knuckle FC, they scream, "It's time!" And then they pause for like a second or two, and then they go to knuckle up, so like <laughs> they don't get sued. You know what I mean? I'm like, get rid of that guy. Like Bruce Buffer wears these crazy jackets these days, like these like super elaborate fucking yeah. suit suit jackets. This guy looks like he's wearing like nineteen sixties couch couch upholstery. Like <laughs> yeah. that was the only complaint I had. I was texting with another knife maker, the Gordian Key Forge, and he's like an MMA buddy with me. And every time this fight's on, we're texting back and forth. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? He's fucking ridiculous. It's bad. But other than that, it was awesome. I'm a fan. I'll be watching more. Well, good. I'm excited for Georgia football to pop back up. Just a couple more weeks. There you go. So that's when I'll that's, be spending my Saturdays in front of the TV again. That shit's big down there, isn't it? Yes, sir. <laughs> it's huge down here. 
Like everyone here, it doesn't really matter if you like football or not. If you're here, you have a team, whether you watch them or not. Like you have a team, and it's That's crazy. The same small town Texas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We we live right across from the high school, and you can hear them screaming and all that kind of stuff on Friday nights because everybody's out there Friday night. Everything shuts down early. Yeah, That's on, crazy. I'm about two and a half, three miles from the local high school here, and on Friday nights. If I walk to the end of my road where there's a gap in the trees, I can look through and see the stadium lights like coming up, and you can hear the band play and you know the people screaming from about seven thirty till about eleven o'clock every single Friday night. We do high school football here, but it's not like none of the fucking towns close early to watch it or nothing. I mean, everybody here, my entire life, you're, if you're not a Patriots fan then fuck you. And if you're not a Red Sox fan, then fuck you. And so I, I'm i like, I don't like either of those sports. I mean, <laughs> not why, like, I don't like to watch them. You know what I mean? It is, especially baseball. There's no excitement in watching a baseball game for me. I'll tell you what, I man. Yesterday we were watching the Little League World Series, and that got pretty interesting. Some of them kids, man, they are talented like 12 years old, and they're throwing folks out from center field at the plate. Like, it is insane. And a lot of them yes. still suck because they're 12 years old, but, you know, they suck less than the other 12-year-olds. That's always been my kicker with with uh, anything from Little League to high school to college. All the MLB players, the big, big guys, they've all made it. You yeah. know, they ain't worried about nothing. But everybody underneath them have something to play for. So, watching – you know, little league games up to you know triple A ball. Them guys got something to prove, so it's it's usually a pretty good game. I've said and that forever. You, That's the reason I like college ball. I don't watch NFL. I I watch college because they're trying. You know what I mean? Yeah. They want to get to the league. Yeah. Once they get there and they got that million dollar contract, who cares how hard they play? If their pinky toe hurts, they don't have to play. You know they they got the check. Yeah, I can't I can't speak for those kids, but I remember when I was my, that age. I had no concept that my body could break. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're probably in their minds willing to put their body in more risk than say a grown ass man in the NFL because he's mature for one. And for two, he's aware that he can hurt himself. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. most kids they'll run head steam into a brick wall. If they think their buddies will laugh at it, you know? Yeah. But I mean, the body's a—it's a magical machine, you know. It can heal up. Yeah, me and my buddies—we used to throw nails at each other and shit. <laughs> BB gun wars. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah we've done that. Bottle rocket fights where you had to be shirtless. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've done the BB gun wars. Two pump limit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two pump limit. Yeah. <laughs> like ah shit, you pumped it three times, fucker. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the, them bottle rocket wars, because I'm a little overweight. They get fucking stuck in your fat roll and pop. Oh, I remember. I remember, man. I got you some pounds. Little but... tiny ones. They look like black cats on the end of a stick, and you just pew, shoot them mm-hmm. at each other. Yeah. Yeah. I got a couple pounds, but I don't think I got a roll that a bottle rocket can stick in. Hey, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. Try harder, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. I guess I got to go for a jog. Yeah, well, I'm going to go for a cookie, so... The nail wars actually had like rules to it and shit. So my buddy's house had like a rundown barn attached to the back of the house and there was a loft in the top of it. 
and we had thrown like random boards up there just so you could walk around. And like, there was one sheet of plywood where we had a chair set up. And so the object was, and there was like a big cooler full of random screws, nails, nuts, bolts that his dad had. And the rule was me and my friend Adam would be upstairs and our friend Seth was always the one that we stuck downstairs. And there was like a slot in the floor so you could lock the door that went out to the house. And the object was he had to climb the ladder and get up into the loft. And if he did, he won. And if he couldn't, we won. And we were allowed to use any means necessary to keep him downstairs. And that's what we did for Sounds like fun. two summers, two summers straight. Well, there you have it, folks. We have confirmed here live on the Hustle Ground podcast that there are, in fact, rednecks in Maine. <laughs> <laughs> we lived in town, too. We weren't even, like, out in the woods. <laughs> Just, you know, teenage kids fucking around. That sounds like a good time. Yeah, oh, that yeah. we had a lot of good memories in that barn. All right, guys, we've been going for a while here. It's about time to wrap it up. So, Micah, Micah Dunn, M.D. Edgeworks. Man, we appreciate you being on here with us. Yes, yes sir. And uh, you're pretty cool. Some of the guests that come on here, they're all cool, you know, but some of them aren't as cool as others. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Timber Tiger. You're awesome. You got to come back one of these days because everybody wants yeah. you. I got requests, like several I of think- them, to bring him back on. So I thought about that, actually, and I think we should do a special edition episode which is Timber Tiger story time where we just kind of sit here and enjoy the story. And we let him fucking just talk for an hour. Okay. <laughs> we have got to, we got to schedule that one a little later in the day. Cause if we're going to listen to Timber Tiger stories for an hour, I'm bringing popcorn and a beer. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. So Chris, reach out to me. And we'll organize <laughs> it. Cause I'm setting up all the guests now, but I think we want to do that. We want to do a Chris Magnus, Timber Tiger, Tiger King story hour. Yeah, anybody who wants to be on the show, I get messages every now and then about being a guest, all this kind of stuff. Ryan's the one to talk to for that. I didn't even know who today's guest was until today. So I, I like it that way. It's freaking awesome. I get to you know, meet cool new people. And, so. like, if you don't know me, you got to, like, talk to me. You can't just be like, hey, can I be on your show? I don't fucking know you, bro. You could be a psycho. You could be a fucking weirdo who talks about shit that we don't want to play on the air, and then we have to scrap the episode. I have so got, if you want to be on the show, make sure you, like, strike up a conversation with me. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Be like, hey, I like this. I'm from here. I'm super cool. I'm not at all a weirdo. Cause I've got a message request folder plum full of messages that say, hey, just found the podcast. Really digging it. If you ever want an extra guest, I'd be happy to join. Oops. Who who are you? No. That ain't how you, you do it. To, yeah. We got to at least know who you are. Yeah. So you if you sent I mean? a message to Hustling Ground Podcast and you're left on red, it's because you're in my request message folder and you don't seem very cool coming at me that way, bro. So and try again. Plus, you got to <laughs> go through me anyway. So. That's right. So Yeah. And go yeah. directly to Ryan because he doesn't have access to the Hustling Ground messages. That's right. Yep. So message me directly. That's only yeah. because... Yeah. That account is linked directly to my personal, and one password is for both. And Ryan, you're cool and all, but you know my wife might decide me decide to send me a titty picture or something one day, and you know, those cost extra. Yeah, it's fine. 
We're both married to gingers. I bet their boobs look pretty similar. Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> we'll compare well, later. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in with us. We hope y'all have a good week. Keep on hustling and keep on grinding. Bye. That was a good one. <laughs>